You're listening to the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. He'll go rink wide to the right point. Schmidt with a shot tipped in front. They score. Niels Hoaglander in the slot deflects it past Jake Allen. And the Canucks lead 2-1 as Hoaglander scores his sixth of the year. Niels Hoaglander, nice goal, helps the Canucks take a lead in the second period. They go on to win in overtime, 3-2 over the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active, on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Andrew Walker on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 604-280-0650. Uh, and send in your thoughts to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. As I sit here with my helmet on, and <laughs> my gloves and yeah. my knee pads and yeah, your Trojans. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> and somebody hey, else. you can never be too careful, man. Hey, man, you got to be careful. Somebody, never, you can never be too careful. Somebody texted and asked me. I think it was uh, Bar and Nanaimo. Uh, Sat seems mad. Did he get in a fight with somebody? I'm, no, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just fired up. And that's all. <laughs> I just get fired up. And I'm, I'm having relationship issues. No, everything's good. Uh, PK right. on Kingsway is one of our favorite callers. He's not calling in tonight, <laughs> but he did send us a text. He says, uh, "Fellas, had to bounce." I uh, always appreciate the love from uh, Josh, Lena, Cam, and the other producers. Start Bunny Hug. He won't let us down. Who's Bunny Hug? Is that that's Demko, I assume? I suppose so. Okay. Uh, and uh, he says, Walks, believe in us, Saskies. Are you even still a Ryder fan? Yes, I'm a big Ryder fan if the CFL is a thing. Uh, he says, chat tomorrow. So we'll look forward to PK on Kingsway calling into tomorrow's post. All right. I see people texting in. There, there's this one guy who's been going off over 40 texts, calling us idiots and all this sort of stuff. And he guys says, you guys don't know anything about hockey and this and that. So if, if, if Mr. You know, defender of the team, Mr. Defender, Jim Benning, Travis Green, all that sort of stuff, I'm going to ask you, you call us idiots. If Travis Green starts Thatcher, or starts Braden Holpe tomorrow, is he an idiot? Are you asking me? No, no, not you. But I'm the, the, to the texter, somebody, te- people are texting and calling us idiots. Like, obviously, you're, you guys don't know anything about hockey. They're going to start Thatcher Demko, and they're defending the organization, defending Jim and Travis and all that sort of stuff. Are you going to turn around and call Jim and Travis idiots tomorrow? If they no, start I'll, I'll, no, I'll not ask you. you. Oh, I'm asking people. I'm asking okay. people. Like, right. If that's yeah. your argument, calling us idiots, you don't know what you're talking about. Shut up and all this sort of stuff. You have to go with Demko. It's obvious. Anybody who's played the game would go with Demko. If the head coach of the National Hockey League team, who you're defending, goes for Braden Holpe. Are you going to call him an idiot tomorrow? People, well, you know what's going to happen. We'll see how the game goes. And if Holpe plays and Holpe loses, everyone will call Travis Green an idiot. That's how this works. Oh, I mean, that, that always happens. Yeah. That always happens. Uh, Todd says Demko's the hottest, best player in the NHL last few weeks. Start Demko. He's 25 years old. And uh, Sam says, on the Dunbar Lumber text line, he says, not just about risking injury tomorrow with Demko. His level of play will drop off eventually, too, after so many starts. It happens with the best goalies. Look at Markstrom mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year, playing every game. Flames sat his play dropped off, uh, and then he missed a couple weeks with an injury. Sat is 100%. It's uh, got to be Holtby tomorrow. Uh, also, uh, the text comes in to clarify, Braden Holtby equals... Bunny hug. Yeah. I haven't heard that. So. No, he's, well, he's from Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, know. he's from Lloyd. Lloyd. Well, I, well, he's is he from the Calgary? I mean, the Alberta or the Saskatchewan <laughs> side? No, Lloyd, yeah, Lloyd Minster is technically Saskatchewan. So yeah, technically. we'll claim. Actually, no, he's from Saskatoon. 
He played junior in Lloyd. Lloyd we'll we'll claim we will claim Braden Holpe as one of our own, <laughs> as our proud uh, proud Saskies. Uh, yes, uh, a lot of reaction on a text inbox six fifty six fifty. We got a text yesterday for somebody purporting to be Earl, and we got a caller on the line who says he's Earl from Mission. And Earl, ever since that fateful night when he called, the Canucks have been red hot. And I believe Earl's back on the line again. Earl, you called your shot. The Canucks have won 8 out of 10. How do you feel about your team? Earl? Oh, no. Yeah, you got me on the line? There we go. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, Earl, thanks, Earl, guys. We were going we to talk about so, the game they lost a couple weeks ago for you. Well, well, no, about the winning game. Yes, the there we, we go. Win. Yes. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the negativity has is, is, is been reduced a lot since they started winning. So that's, winning, that's winning really does a lot was, of great things, doesn't it, Earl? Yeah, it, it really does. And what, I was, what, I, what my point was, is, which is still true, is I, I think that we have a really good team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's, it's well-rounded. Now, your issue, I'll just jump into it for a second, is your idea about Holtby versus Demko tomorrow, mm-hmm. it's, it's only Demko if you're planning to win the St- Stanley Cup this year. My philosophy is that we're actually building to win the Stanley Cup next year is what I said as a take back on 1040, you know, right. when, we, when we had 154 games till the end of next year. But anyways, um, so I'm looking towards next year as the win. And so it's not do or die tomorrow whether we play Demko or Holtby. I actually want to play Holtby tomorrow to see if we get the same effort and energy level out of the players. Because Demko's been playing outstanding. Yeah. But the players in front of him have been playing way better in the last nine games. Or is it nine games or it's eight games since since Winnipeg lost? I think it's I think it's nine or no, I think it's yeah, we're we're eight out of nine, aren't we? Yeah, they've won eight out of the last ten games. Yeah. So I'm I'm all in for Holtby, and we brought him to to the organization to be a number one, and I still think he is capable of being a number one, except the team is playing better in front of Demko. No, so I want to see the team play better tomorrow, win in Montreal with Holtby, and prove to me that the team game is more important than who you're playing in the net. So Earl, um, there's a lot of texts coming in uh, right now. All hail Earl, it says. So you know, you had the the pretty epic call a few weeks ago. We haven't heard from you well, since. Yeah, yeah. Have you have I, I you been aware? Have you been aware that you've had a bit of a cult following? Yes. Well, right. not 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 so much, but I do know that you guys have mentioned my names in previous games after that, and I thought, well, you know what, I won't call in until I don't hear about it. But then I, when I didn't hear, hear you guys mentioned <laughs> so, my name, so here's, I, uh, I realized that it was not you two together. It was, uh, it, was, it was a different combination. So now that I have both of you guys together, that's why I decided to call again. Uh, oh, no. It was us. It no, was he us. He said another... he would have called in another night, oh, but okay, it wasn't, okay, him see, and, it wasn't you and I together. But he, so he wanted to call in when it's Walks yeah. and Sat so, on the postgame show. So, Earl, do you remember? Did you watch Forrest Gump? Remember the movie Forrest Gump? Yeah, but it was you, Andrew, that said, what, what was it, that I was the best caller of the year so far? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty so, much. <laughs> you got the most reaction. So, so in, in the movie Forrest so Gump, I, remember when Forrest Gump and Tom Hanks, remember when he starts running? He's like, I just felt like running, and he runs across, and then all the people started following him running. 
that's that's you. There's all these people, and they're waiting for you to say something. So before we let you go, what's your? I, so we we got your we got your Holtby take. What's your message? What's what's the from the Church of Earl? What's your message to everybody listening right now? Well, just just so you guys know, is I've never texted or. So, so that Facebook wasn't you. So that wasn't you. That's right. Okay. So I've only called. So it's if it's not a call for me, it's not me. All right. It's, so it's first. So you're a no and, text guy. Uh, you're just a call guy. Yep. Yeah. Just calling. I love it. And um, yeah, no, I, 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 I will actually start marching towards Vancouver at some point in time during next year because I believe, and I said it on the radio before that I believe Horvat's going to lift the cup next year, Not the end boy. of next year. And I totally, I totally think that this team is capable, and I think when I said last time we got four pieces that are that are missing, and and, and those are going to get cleaned up. We do, we don't even know how good, you know, some of our young guys, you know, like Pod Coles, and we don't know how good he's going to be. You know, mm-hmm. is he going to be a second line player? We don't know until we start seeing those things. Um, yeah. But all in all, the team's a good team. And it's not say, and it's not that I I loved every deal that, you know, every move that Benning has made because you know for me I when I when I see Romanov over in Montreal and mm-hmm. and when we passed on him and and he's and, pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, Romanov's awesome. I've already got his signature. I think in, in when he was a junior, he was a good player. Right. So, you know, when we took Jet Wu versus Romanov, I probably would have done something. I would have done the opposite. But the point is, is that even though Benning's you know, hasn't been perfect. I believe that he's built us a nice team and he's still got a little bit of work to do, but you know, when he tries to say that he's got two, two years, well, no, I still think it's, it's next year. Yeah. You know? hey, yeah. Earl, thanks so much for the phone call. Be safe been and a, don't been be a pleasure. Stranger. Don't it's been be an honor. No, yeah. Thanks Earl. Earl. A lot of people texting in. I follow Earl uh, unsigned. <laughs> Get Earl on the coaching staff. That's from Todd Stewart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm, in, I'm glad we Earl, heard from in Earl. Earl. We trust. Yeah. Earl uh, gets all this cloud for the most ridiculous call ever. Enjoy your moment, bud. And uh, a lot of other texts coming in. Earl is freaking awesome. He's yes. adamant, man. He, he says the Canucks are four pieces yeah. away, and Horvat's going to lift the cup next year. Hey, man, that's the man believes says. in his team. The man believes in his team. Uh, let's go back to the phone boards. Let's go to Ben in Langley. Ben, uh, what's going on? What you got for us tonight, pal? Uh, I think I just found a new religion to follow. <laughs> Earl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, everything's sort of calmed down since I've been listening, but I'm all for Holtby starting tomorrow just for the injury factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no coasting in the goalie position. Yeah. The players can. And uh, you got to give Holtby an opportunity to gain our trust back. That's all I really got for you. Hey, Ben, uh, thanks for the phone call. That is Ben and Langley. Let's go to Thad and Prince George. Thad, uh, thanks for holding on to your line. Uh, who do you have starting in goal tomorrow? Uh, hey guys, uh, I pretty I agree with Earl there. I think you got to go with Holtby tomorrow. There we go. Um, when you watch us, when you watch how we played the last few games, like when Demko was just standing on his head, like winning those games for us. But the game we played tonight, we played with purpose. We came out and we, we had those guys by it. And and uh, if we're gonna play like that, then that's the time you got to play Holtby, and he he can come in and mm-hmm. and if we can play like that in front of him, like he he'll win. Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Thad and Prince George. And you know, you know, walks. You gotta get something out of Holpe as well, right? Yeah, like, you do. You, you do. need something out of him. You still have back-to-backs coming up the rest of this way. And hey, you have 22 games remaining. And yeah, the bye week's coming up. If you want to stretch Demko out the rest of this way, you're still gonna need Holpe 
after the bye week too. And if he's going to go 13, 14, 15 games without a start, say go almost a month without a start, then you're putting him in a tough spot as well. You're going to need to get something out of Hopi if you are truly going to make the playoffs. Yeah, it it is true. Um, I just, uh, you know, I I I wouldn't do it tomorrow. Is my only, is yeah. my only thing. Uh, hey, uh, we we've already made our positions very yep, clear. Yep. Uh, let's go back. To, we have Ian McIntyre joining us in a couple minutes. Let's go through a couple more phone calls sure. here. Uh, Jerry in Vancouver. Uh, Jerry, who do you think the Canucks have to catch? Well, they have to catch. Well, there's Edmonton, Montreal, and Calgary. They have to win two out of those three. So uh, uh, Calgary was, would be the one that I would think they should work on. But uh, but Calgary and Montreal are, I think, the ones that they had the best chance with. Hey. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything else you want to add there, Jerry? Uh, well, like I say, uh, I think you, you depend, depend on Clark to decide who's going mm-hmm. yeah. to be that uh, goalie for the next, mm-hmm. the next game. Thanks, Jerry. That's Jerry in Vancouver. And on that point, Walks... Ian Clark, too, he's usually been the guy that gets leaned on a lot here, you know, in terms of the decision-making on the goalies, and he likes getting his goalies reset, too, right? He likes working with them. Like, there is a real philosophy and plan, and yeah, you're right, a goalie a bit more, but with Ian Clark, there is a methodical plan as well to ensure you get the best out of your goalies, and it's not just go out and play every single night and, and you know, whatever happens, happens. There's a real logic behind it, so I will be curious to see what happens tomorrow based on the way Ian Clark views it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm curious as well to to see what we see. I, I I do think Braden Holpe is capable of giving this team a good game and some good games. He's a he's Braden Holpe's still a world class uh, goalie, and you know Holpe's worst games of the year also came at a time where no one on this team was playing good, right? So it it you know he wasn't necessarily put in a in a great position to succeed. I I, I think Holpe, you know. We will have the potential to come up big and, like the one caller said, regain some trust here. Um, but right now, they're just—it's been all Demko, right? They've been—they've yeah. just been riding him. He's uh, on an insane hot streak. He's probably going to win mm-hmm. Player of the Month. You know, they're eight and two in their last ten, and he's put them in a situation where, yeah, you can—it's still a long shot, but like you can start talking about the possibility of. Of making of making playoffs, and that'll that'll increase, you know, by a by a, a long shot tomorrow if you pull out a regulation win over the Habs. Well, it's a huge opportunity tomorrow. Let's go to for, to one more phone call. We're gonna have Ian McIntyre join us here in a couple minutes. Nathan and East Van is on the line. Nathan, uh, what do you want to talk about tonight? I want to talk about that roast you guys had two weeks ago about Jim Benning. He picked up the guy, Jimmy Vesey, there from Toronto. That guy's a stud. Best pickup they've had yeah. in 20 years. He's better 20 than 20 years? Whoa! Wow, even better than J- JT Miller? But, no, he's good. You watch him, he will score some big goals. He made no mistakes out there. And you guys were carving Jim Benning. But what, do you, what do you say about him tonight on that pickup? I want to hear about that. You guys were shredding him. Last what what is it? What is it? What is it that? Uh, you, what do you what what is it you want? Him, what do you want? On a, no no no. Let me ask you a question, Nathan. No no. Ask. I don't. I, I want to talk to you, Nathan. I'm going to ask you a question. What is it specifically you want Jim to get credit for? So that's a great pickup. We we well we don't know that yet. He's played he, one. He game. played well. We talked about him playing well tonight, but I mean, he played better than that guy who's got a heart like a peanut in Abbotsford. I tell you that he's been on the team for seven years. So like, what do you well, want me? Yeah, if, yeah, but if, no, no, no. If but the, the measuring stick can't be Jake. But here's the, the thing: the measuring want, stick. That's not the measuring. So stick. So you want yet. me to praise Jim Benning by crapping on another Jim Benning pick? Who's, you know what I mean? Jimmy Vc is a solid pickup. I want to hear about. I want you praise him. 
he's done a good job. We, we talked. We said he played. We talked about Jimmy VC playing well tonight. That's a great pickup. Okay. What What else is it you, you want to you, you Yeah, but what else is it you want Jim Benning to get credit for? Get him fired. Who? What? No, I don't hear. I don't hear you singing his praise right now. I don't hear nothing. What is it you want to hear? What do you want me to say? We're talking about Niels Hoglander had a great game. We're talking about Nate Schmidt played really well. We talked about Thatcher Demko being fantastic. All these guys were acquired by Jim Benning. That's Benny. easy. That's easy to think. What is it? What is it? What is it easy to say? These guys played well. Because you guys carve everybody too much, man. All the time, you just dump on people. Can't stand it. Well, if you well, when they're playing well, when they when they're playing well, when they play when they play well, they get credit. When they play poorly, they get criticized. Like, isn't it like were they playing well earlier this season, Nathan? They lost nine out of sixteen games by five or more goals. Something that hasn't happened in twenty-five years. I want to hear about Jim Benning. What a great job that pickup was. You tell me. We don't, dude. We don't know if it's a great pickup yet. <laughs> Jimmy VC has gone through a bunch of teams in the NHL. He got placed on waivers because he couldn't hack it in Toronto, and he's played one game for the Canucks. And maybe he can be a piece in the bottom six. He was okay tonight. They won the game. He didn't get a point. He wasn't unbelievable. Jimmy VC might end up being a decent pickup here, or he might just be on waivers again in two weeks. We'll see. It's not. This is not some cataclysmic, unbelievable franchise-changing cha- move. There is a million Jimmy VCs out there, and we're not carving Jim Benning for picking him up, and we're not calling him a genius because he picked him up. They they claimed a guy on waivers. Big freaking deal. Yeah, I mean, and and with, and and. Jimmy VC played well tonight. He got credit for it. And if you want to give credit to any betting acquisition tonight, it's Thatcher Demko. That's the acquisition. Like if you want to, if you want to praise Jim Benning, look at Thatcher Demko, and that's the main praise here. The goalie yeah. of the future and how he's played. Like to me, if you want to dunk on anybody, that's how you dunk on somebody. One game from Jimmy VC, he played fine, and you know he played fine. It was good, and hopefully he keeps playing well as well. But if you really want to be dunking, use Thatcher Demko. But let's bring in the real star of the Canuck Central post game show. He is known as the closer. The man does it all: digital, TV, radio. He joins us now on the post game show, and he has his own intro by Jimmy Hendricks. You know, I can dunk a basketball too, don't you? <laughs> well, you're tall enough. 20 years ago. <laughs> Actually, never. I was never that good. Mind you, I went to a basketball factory of a high school, so I, I wasn't good enough to make the, the mighty Richmond Super Colts. But they did let me, and you guys may get a kick out of this, the start of my broadcasting career. I was the in-gym announcer of the games. Oh, so so you which, you, which you, was a pretty big deal. Yeah, you were kind of you were kind of part of the team when when the Steveston Packers were playing Richmond. I don't know how much the gym held. I, I'm going to say 400, but maybe it was 600. But the place would be jammed before the game. And uh, Steveston one year, and this I think was shortly before I I started high school. And you can save your jokes. I was only in senior high school for two years. But shortly before I got there, Steveston, uh, one game conspired and filled the gym with their, filled the Richmond gym with the Steveston student body <laughs> before the game. So there had to be restrictions made, but good memories. It, I, was so, uh... it was so loud that I was shouting into the microphone and the players at the bench couldn't hear me. I had to point at who was, when I was introducing them, I had to point. 
so it's, they knew when it was time to run on the court. <laughs> it's too bad it was before social media because we might have seen oh. we might have seen one of those viral videos of yeah. uh, you know how like sometimes the you know the the equipment manager or you know or the kid will get to play in the final game and they'll let him shoot a, a three that could have been you maybe. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm kind of glad, it, and I think a lot of people who are, say, over 35 or 40 feel the same way. I'm just glad I got to live my youth before social media. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, that, that would complicate things. <laughs> There'd be a lot of evidence. Man, you know what, Ian? It's funny because you, I kind of grew up in that generation where I didn't get a cell phone until college. You know, like I didn't really have you know, – high-speed internet wasn't a thing. I can't imagine – high school and college in the social media age like i i yeah yeah and and remarkably our lives still seemed full and rich <laughs> believe it or not yeah Hard you to remember believe. yeah i was i always think like and, and we had and we had a a lot of fun i mean great yeah. everybody i well not everybody has fond memories of their youth but i think i think most do and those memories if they're fond they get even better the older you get the thing that always gets me is you, you would make plans. Like, say you'd make plans on a Tuesday. You're like, hey, Friday, let's go for And then you'd have to show up. Because like, <laughs> there was no way to cancel. Yeah, there's no texting back and forth. Like, you'd, you know, you'd have oh, to show if up. You went, if you went to, like, a concert or a hockey game with your buddy and you got separated, like, you're stuck. What do you do? <laughs> I don't, I don't move, remember. I mean, we, had a stand, we had a standard thing. You phone home. Like, one yeah. of the mums. Yeah is the contact person. So the one lost person would phone the mom and hope that the other lost person also phoned that same number and, the, and communication. <laughs> and hope that, that nobody's on the line because otherwise you get, you get the busy call. <laughs> yeah. you know. uh, so the days. last time, I believe, I believe we got into, you, uh, into it with you last time we were in this back-to-back situation in Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm, I'm, let me cut you off. I'm yeah. starting Martin Brochu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow, you're really going out of left field. I can't remember what you said in those Winnipeg games. I can't remember if we were at odds or if we agreed. What would you do tomorrow? Uh, well, I've I've been consistent because I've been asked this for several days now. I, I, I'm going with Demko until, until he can't play anymore, until Ian Clark or Thatcher says, I can't play, I need, I need uh, a night off, I need a reset. Whatever I would go, I would go with Demko, and I think tonight uh, those who feel that way would be emboldened by the fact that Canucks played such a good road game that you know Demko didn't have to perform miracles, although he did. Maybe he is tired because he did flop over and stack his pads like a modern day Ken Dryden on that breakaway by Josh Anderson, but I would I would stick with Demko, but that's not. That's not uh, the first page of the coaching manual. The first page of the coaching manual says if you have two goalies, you you go with you go with the other guy on the second half of a back-to-back. If the first guy's played a bit, which certainly Demko has. So e- either way, there's going to be a lot to talk about post-game tomorrow because it's a whatever whatever Travis chooses, it's either going to be fantastic or it's going to be awful. He's going to look brilliant or stupid, one way or the other. Yeah, and you know the thing that was most encouraging about tonight's game, Ian, was they played really well. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the real positive here. They played a strong, solid game, and if you want to build on this and keep this going, these are the types of performances that give you hope that, okay, maybe you can keep this going beyond just, just it being a hot streak. 
Yeah, and and they produced that strong game against a team that's made them look really bad uh, in a lot of the games that they've played this year. Haven't they played Montreal about 17 times already, it's by the way? last game against Montreal coming up tomorrow. Yeah. Um, almost Montreal makes, almost makes has looked close to dominant <laughs> against them. And yeah. tonight was was easily Vancouver's best game of of that series. And, you know, what's encouraging about it is, other than the fact, like, Montreal is is one of the teams that they're hoping stays in the mosh pit with them and that maybe they, you find a way to finish ahead of them once some of the games in hand are worked out. So, it, you know, it's important from a, from a head-to-head competitive level. But it's also important bigger picture for Vancouver because I think we all understand there's been somewhat of a false economy here on this March run. And that, you know, Thatcher Demko can't stop 95% of the shots he's facing for the rest of the year. He's, he's going to, at some point, start to surrender more than one goal every 20, every 20 shots. So the team has to be better in front of them than what it has been in some of these games. Now, I can, I can say that with a clear conscience that the team, there has been a bit of a false economy because I also said back in February that they were playing better than, than what their results were. And so things do uh, even up. Uh, you know, people in the sport always say that, that the, you know, the good and the bad and the good luck, bad luck, that tends to even out uh, over, over a season. And the Canucks have had a couple of games recently that they didn't deserve to win. The, the obviously the first game in Ottawa was was the most recent that they didn't deserve to win that they did because of Demko. Well, this was a game, you know, it could have gone either way. It was a fairly even game, but they win this game, and no one is saying, "Man, the Demko sure saved them again." You know, this was this was a good game, and these are the kind of games they need to play more often, because uh, as I say, you can't. You can't keep relying on Demko uh, to the extent they have been. You know, final thing here, um, for me at least, I know Milwaukee's my Already, time has flown by on this this segment. You you talked about the Richmond Packers for 18 minutes. Uh, 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 uh. Richmond Super Colts. Where are you from exactly, Walker? (laughs) You're from this planet, right? I'm from southern Saskatchewan is where Uh, I'm from. Richmond Colts. Steveston Packers. Right. Super Colts. Better well, than a normal Colt. Yeah. No, Super no, Colts. the Super Colts. Yeah. yeah. But anyways. Um, you know, you and I have, have been going back and forth. That's like, that's like confusing Celtic for Rangers. It's definitely the New not. York Red Sox. It's, okay? de- it's 100% not that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> to Ian it is, and that's all that matters. Uh, Ian, you and I have been kind of disagreeing about J.T. Miller um, and, and I don't think <laughs> yes, he, we have. And, and I don't think he had a fantastic game start to finish. But what a goal in overtime! Yeah. I mean, now he scored a couple big goals here for this team, and and he has been more engaged. He has moments. You're right, you know, with the turnovers and stuff like that. But when he is, when he has moments where he does the, I'm putting the team on my back on this rush. Yeah, that's the type of player they really need more consistently. Yeah, and sometimes you just have to smile, and you have to accept as we do to varying degrees, Sad, that there are going to be some mistakes along the way because he kind of epitomizes the high-risk, high-reward player. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he tries to do a lot, 
and sometimes it backfires, but he also achieves a lot. And all you have to do is look at how much he's scored for this team since his trade from Tampa. But I, I, uh, I was just amazed at the goal, that at the end of a two-minute shift, where he shouldn't be out there that long, and I, under, I understood what he was saying post-game, that it had, you know, there hadn't been a whole lot of, of explosive skating in the first minute and 55 but he was out there when Anderson went in the breakaway and he kind of let up because he was interfered with and it you know, looked like he was pissed off that there was no call. And then the shot goes high and suddenly, suddenly Miller starts moving his feet again, goes out to the wing, he gets the, the puck, and he sees that there's about nothing but forwards on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens, which was an interesting wrinkle. Uh, they didn't have a defenseman on the ice, which is why it was only forwards who who uh, Miller had to get past. But he recognizes he's smart enough and he's good enough to recognize his advantage and and basically just impose his will on that on that play. And you know, there's still an element of luck whenever you're toe dragging somebody at the NHL level, and then you still got to actually beat the goalie once you do that but he did it and it was just a it was a virtuoso kind of goal it was everything about the power and speed and and uh uh audacity that's the word the audacity of jt miller to pull this off in in overtime what a magnificent goal and, you know, you mentioned audacity, and that's the thing, right? Like, it's it's the moments like that that they can have. And they're going to need more. I mean, they've won 8 out, of, 8 out of 10. They're now back to 500, 22 games remaining on the season. Have to still be on this hot pace. But being back at 500, it gets interesting. And tomorrow, Ian, you're back on the post-game show again. Canucks, Montreal, Canadians. Puck drop coming up at 4. Post-game show, you'll be part of it. and, and maybe Hopefully we'll that'll be interesting, too. Yeah, maybe we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about the goaltending. Yeah. I guarantee you that. Oh, absolutely. One way or another, we will. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Thanks so much, Ian, for your time. We always appreciate it. Look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow. And your latest will be up on sportsnet.ca very soon. I'm just writing the last couple of paragraphs now. Wonderful. Talk to you guys tomorrow. You got it. That is Ian McIntyre. Andrew, well, you're off for the weekend. We'll be back again on Monday. We have a game broadcast back at home, 7 p.m., but the program gets going at 4. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, play play Demko in 10 straight games. Are you doing the post-game show tomorrow, Walks? Nope. Taking nope. it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, I'm out. I Back-to-back post-games? That's insane. What, what are you asking about? <laughs> back-to-back post-games? I got to take what? a day off. Are you kidding? <laughs> just screw I don't work it. I'm six out. days. Wow. I just realized how big of a hypocrite I am. Unbelievable. And see, if people called me soft, and, I, and I've... <laughs> it's your job. <laughs> it is. It is. It is the job. What? Thank you to everybody listening and chiming in to our dumb bar lumber text inbox, 650-650, especially to the guy who's challenging uh, me to a fight. I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he just called oh, me an idiot. Oh, man. Imagine yeah. if the Canucks had a lost. Ooh. Wow. Uh, see, Pistols Walker. At, Walker, it's not dog. about you. Sat is an idiot. I love that text. And uh, he keeps calling me an idiot, but he can't spell properly, which I always find really, really yeah. funny. Oh, the text line is an adventure, isn't it? <laughs> All right. It's a great. All right, looking forward uh, to chatting with you guys again tomorrow. Pre-game gets going at 3. Pre-game all day on Sports and 650. Canucks and Haps. Puck drop at 4. Walks, always a pleasure. Talk to you again soon, my all man. All right. 
thanks to Josh Elliott Wolf, our producer, and Cam J. Barra, and thanks to everybody listening. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome to Canucks Central at Night, bringing you the extra post-game coverage you need, only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. What's going on, Vancouver? Vancouver Canucks victorious tonight over the Montreal Canadiens, a 3-2 victory in overtime. 56 the on the next line. Get your thoughts to Dunbar-Lumber. The floral alternative is at Dunbar-Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. The text line is absolutely lit right now. Continue to get your thoughts, and we'll take some calls as well. 604-280-0650. Roger Shergill with you. Josh Elliott Wolf alongside me. It is Canucks Central at night, and it's a hat-trick of post-regulation victories for the Vancouver Canucks, Josh. Three times in the last three games, the Canucks have gone to either overtime or shootout, coming out victorious in all three of those games. And today, an absolute beauty from JT Miller to finish it off for the Canucks in OT. Vancouver comes out top uh, against Montreal, a team that has had their number all season, Josh. And, uh, you know, it was one of those games that you would hope that the Canucks would have got it done in regulation because of how much that loser point truly means against every other team except for Ottawa and Toronto, and in particular the Montreal Canadiens because they're only one spot ahead of the Canucks when it comes to that final playoff spot. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that, but they do come away with the win regardless. Yeah, you hope it doesn't come back to bite them later in the season if they do continue on this run and fight back into the playoffs. And man, it would suck if they like missed by one or two points to Montreal. But that being said, you still walk away with the win and you can go into tomorrow hoping to limit Montreal to one point and you could still walk away with all four. But yeah, it's usually when you see a team like the Vancouver Canucks have done recently, where they win three in a row in either overtime or the shootout, you're like, okay, you know what? A loss is coming. They seem to just be on the edge of of just cranking out wins but not really being convincing. But in this instance, I would say this is probably the best game the Canucks have played in this four-game winning streak, and it's huge that it came against the Montreal Canadiens, who, like you said, have been – such an issue for the Canucks this season. Yeah, I mean, consistency has been the, uh, you know, the it's been, has not been in the favor of the Canucks this year. They just simply have not been consistent enough. Uh, and Vancouver this year still winless against the Habs in regulation. They they looked like they were about to get it done with uh, within the 60 minutes before Tyler Mott takes that delay on game penalty, allows Montreal to capitalize with less than one minute to go. Eventually, as mentioned, JT Miller, the hero with an absolute dynamite to give Vancouver the win. Um, I think one of the biggest questions going in to tomorrow night's game, again, to the second half of a back-to-back tomorrow, uh, Canucks getting the win tonight as it was led by Thatcher Demko, 29 saves on 31 shots. The biggest question for me, Josh, going into tomorrow night's contest is going to be who is in net. Is it Braden Holpe? Or is it Thatcher Demko? Share your thoughts on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Who do you think should go on uh, to play for the play in the net tomorrow for the Vancouver Canucks? Um, 
In your eyes, Josh, is it is it Hopi's crease and is this deja vu? Because uh, you know, before you answer, I just want to remind you that you know the Canucks have only lost twice in the month of March, and one of them was in the second half of a back-to-back against the Winnipeg Jets when you and I and Canucks Nation debated whether or not that your Demko should be in goal in the second half of a back-to-back. Travis Green didn't think so. He elected to go with Braden Holpe. Josh, you didn't think so. I did think so. The Canucks lost that game to the Winnipeg Jets. Not saying it was all on Braden Holpe, but do you think that the Canucks are going to reevaluate the situation and, and this time it's going to be Demko's crease? I think it would be different if – and here, here's how I wanted this week to play out. I When Demko won the game on Monday in Ottawa, I think people started to look at these two games in Montreal, and they were like, okay, that those two matter a little bit more than they would if you lost a game to Ottawa. So my thought was start Braden Hopi on Wednesday against the Senators that way – you can go to Demko against Montreal in both of the games. Obviously, that didn't happen. Demko started on Wednesday, and they probably needed him to start on Wednesday based on how the team played, and they didn't really do him any favors, and he gave the team the win once again. But I am now, because Demko has started nine games in a row, I am fully on the Braden Holpe train for tomorrow. Like, if, if he had not started nine games in a row, maybe you could convince me. But it's just been a, as good as he has been, you can't ride him into the ground. Like, if you think you have a realistic shot at the playoffs, I know you need to win tomorrow. But you still need to win at least, like, 15 of the remaining 20 games after this. Maybe a little less, but you get the point. You're going to need a healthy Thatcher Demko and a rested Thatcher Demko to at least have a shot at winning some of those games. Well, here's why the situation is similar to the Winnipeg Jets situation when the Canucks had the, the back-to-back in the beginning of this month, is that when, when, we were, when we were looking at that you know, timeline for the Canucks and if they were going to, and if it was smart to play Thatcher Demko on back-to-back nights, what we were looking at is the schedule ahead. And what the schedule ahead brought, Josh, was the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens, Right. That were those were the next four games, and they were in very rapid succession against two teams, against one of the teams that's obviously the best in the division, and the other team that has had your number all season, and also has a player named Tyler Toffoli who loves playing against the Vancouver Canucks, and he just loves to play in Rogers Arena in general. Doesn't matter which team he's playing for. So it was, you know, a situation that you look ahead at the schedule. And you kind of think, all right, well, if we give this next second half of a back-to-back to Braden Holpe, then Demko is our guy going forward against the Leafs, against the Habs, and we'll figure it out going forward. You're kind of in a similar situation to that now, is because tomorrow night you've got Win- you've got Montreal again, but right after that you've got two against Winnipeg, then you've got the Calgary Flames, who are obviously... Uh, have picked it up ever since Daryl Sutter's been there. But the the benefit of the, the Flames game is that it's after seven days, right? That's the key difference is the Canucks are going to go into a bye week. So you're saying Braden Holpe, Josh. What I think is it, it needs to be Thatcher Demko, right? Because in a playoff series, if you were, you know, going to be put into a playoff contest and 
discuss who's going to be your netminder going forward, we wouldn't even be talking about Braden Holpe. And right now, the Canucks are playing for the playoffs. Unfortunately, they're in the situation that they're in, that they're kind of forced to play their best game each and every night. So for me, Thatcher Demko is the person who personifies playing your best game each and every night. And if you right. want a chance to get into the playoffs, you kind of have to, to ride him. I get it. You, you do need to rest him, but I don't think tomorrow's the game to do that. But you also, to your, like, to your point, you do need a, a healthy Thatcher Demko. And like, look, Thatcher Demko is obviously the goalie at this point that is going to give the team the best chance to win night in, night out. I like, I'm not going to come on here and say Braden Holpe is going to give the Canucks a better chance to win tomorrow because I don't think so. I think Thatcher Demko could go in and probably play as well, if not better than Holpe, even though the rest is obviously pretty separated between them. That being said, down the stretch, like you can't start Thatcher Demko for the rest of the season. And no. this is the perfect opportunity to, like, if you didn't start Braden Holpe tomorrow, when are you going to start Braden Holpe? Like, but you're, but the, like I said, the 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 bye week to me is is a big key part in all of this, right? Because for sure, like 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 Demko is going to have that sort of light at the end of the tunnel. All right, I'm going to have seven days off here now, and I kind of get to rest. And and obviously, you're. I'm not saying that the next three games, you know, one against Montreal and two against Winnipeg, all three of them should go. To Thatcher Demko, I think he's probably going to get a break in one of the next two. And, and you're probably right. Very likely it is going to be uh, Braden Holtby tomorrow. Uh, and so he's going to get that break. But this is also a small break tomorrow night's contest if he does get one in terms of a longer one coming in just about uh, four days time, right? So he's going to be rested up because after that, uh, once that game against the Calgary Flames happens on March 31st, to, to begin April, it's all hands on deck, and you are riding Thatcher Demko, exactly. Uh, you know, pretty much for the rest of the season, right? But so I get your point, Josh. But for me, it's the fact that tomorrow's contest is is probably the most important game of the season, is it not? I mean, you already gave up one point to Montreal. This is a team that you're trailing in the standings, and, and tr truth be told. You haven't taken away any points from Montreal this season. Every single contest that you've played against the Habs, they've gotten points against you. So you kind of have to try to figure out a way to win this one in regulation. And to me, Thatcher Demko is your best bet. Right. But again, and I agree with that. I do think Thatcher Demko going into tomorrow would probably give you a better chance to win. But with the way the Canucks played tonight... If they can carry that into tomorrow, I don't think they necessarily need uh, Thatcher Demko in net. And obviously, the the game went to overtime. The score maybe makes it seem like it was a bit closer than it was. But this is a game that I think the Canucks deserve to win in regulation. And because of that, like if they can carry this defensive performance into tomorrow, I do think the st the scoring. And obviously, it doesn't help that Elias Pettersson is out, but I do think the story scoring could use a bit of an improvement. And if it does, and if that does come tomorrow, Braden Holpe is going to have all the run support he needs. And if the defensive structure carries into tomorrow, that will help as well. But that being said, if you take a look at the head the, ahead at the schedule in April and into early May, this is the last back-to-back -back for the Canucks this season. And... 
I understand that this is, this is also the last game against Montreal, and you, to your point, you haven't taken any points away from the Canadians this season, and they're the team ahead of you. You kind of need to make up points. But this is probably the last time where it's going to be very easy to say, yeah, hey, look, it was a back-to-back. We got to start Braden Holpe today. For the rest of the right. season, it's going to be really, really hard to go to Braden Holpe, and it's going to be really, really difficult to find spots for Thatcher Demko to rest if he can hold on to the pace that he's on. And obviously, I know the ba- the bye week will help a lot with that, but I do think you like you can't just run him into the ground because what if he what if he gets injured and then that bye week instead of being used for practice time with Ian Clark or whatever, it's being used to recover from an injury or heal some bruises or whatever it is. Roger, sure to go. Josh Elliott, Wolf, 650-650 is a Dunbar number. Text line, Cam texting in. I think Thatcher Demko should get the start. It will probably be Braden Holpe, though. Demko needs a break. Would rather see DiPietro get the start over Holpe, but realistically, that will not happen. Go, Holpe, go. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> that, uh, Mikey DiPietro is not going to get the what start. What a twist in, and, that would be, though, eh? Oh, man, could you imagine? <laughs> like, like Di Pietro has not played in about a year, uh, and the last time we maximum saw him in the NHL, rest. Yeah, the like, hey, exactly. The last time we saw him in the NHL wasn't exactly ready. Uh, but that's an entirely different conversation. I, I do think that um, Di Pietro needs to get into some professional hockey games. Um, but that's like I said, that's an entirely different conversation. Holpe, Holpe starts on Saturday. Tired goalie risks injury. Green will be consistent. That's uh, Ian and Dunbar. Take Holpe, save percentage tonight. They lose 4-2 in regulation. So a lot of you know mixed feelings coming in on this one. A lot of people saying Brayden Holpe. Some people saying Thatcher Demko should get the start. Continue to get your thoughts in. Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott Wolf with you uh, on uh, Canucks Central at night as the Vancouver Canucks uh, defeat the Montreal Canadiens by a score of 3-2 in a shootout. Um, I want to bring this conversation back into the light. And am I being a little too pessimistic? Or maybe you guys will look at it the opposite way. Maybe I'm a little too optimistic by even bringing this conversation in. But are you starting to feel more and more like the playoffs are a possibility? We'll talk about that on the other side. Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott-Wolf. It is Canucks Central at night on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. This is Canucks Central at Night, giving you even more time to break down the game. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back. Canucks Central at Night continues. One more hour to go of Vancouver Canucks talk here in the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Raja Shergill with you alongside Josh Elliott-Wolf off of the heels of a Vancouver Canucks victory tonight over the Montreal Canadiens 3-2 in a shootout, uh, sorry, in overtime, I should say. Uh, the other two times the Canucks have defeated Montreal has been in a shootout, and the last three games for the Canucks have all gone beyond 60 minutes, coming out victorious in all of them. Uh, you know, we talked about it yesterday as well, Josh. The the loser point doesn't really mean a whole lot when you're 
you know, when you're giving it away to Ottawa or if you're giving it away to Toronto because, you know, they're both either at the very top of the standings or in Ottawa's case in the basement of the standings. But when you're giving it to Montreal, a team that is directly above you and holds the fourth and final playoff spot in the North Division, it's a lot more, you know, tougher to, to really, you know, understand how 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 it's going to be hard to get into the playoffs, right? I mean, you you were hoping that you can come away with all of these wins in regulation and you were okay with giving up the point, as I mentioned, to Ottawa. But when it comes to Montreal and you have this victory within your grasp with less than a minute to go, it's gut-wrenching, man, to give up that uh, goal, to the tying goal with 56 seconds remaining. It is, and the the events that led up to it as well. I mean, there were the, there was the there was the Jake Vertanen penalty, which honestly I thought in the moment I was like, oh man, this is going to be a classic Jake Vertanen moment. He's going to take a stupid penalty. They're going to get scored yeah. on, and then the Canucks. In an otherwise, are... in an otherwise pretty good game for Jake. Yeah, exactly. And lately, and we talked about this on Wednesday too. Lately, he has been better, but that was just a moment of frustration I guess but it was just so ill-timed and and not a great thing to do but the Canucks did kill that penalty and then there was the Myers Myers got high sticked and the refs didn't see it and look you you can't do too much about that if the ref doesn't see it he's not going to call it just because Myers is on the ground but it's still frustrating if you're a fan and you're watching it because you know that you should probably be on the power play and that would ice the game for the Canucks and then Tyler Mott takes the penalty and Nick Suzuki scores. And, and that's kind of, it, it all led up to a situation where it kind of looked like the Canucks were going to give it away and lose in regulation or, or sorry, overtime, but they got it together. And that's why it's kind of, it's, it's a good thing that they still got the one point because I mentioned earlier, they probably deserve to win in regulation. So if you can, if you can still get the two points, it sucks that you gave Montreal the one, but at least you walk away knowing that you got the result that you deserved. Yeah, no, you definitely did. I wonder, is there a certain point in which you mentally look at your team, right? I mean, if you're a Travis Green and you, and you question like, what do we got to do to beat these guys in regulation? You haven't, gotten a single win in regulation against the Habs this season right and and what do you know it like those are the points that are making a difference right now or those are directly the points that are currently you know making a difference to uh for the Vancouver Canucks right now when it comes to defeating the Montreal Canadiens because they are ahead of the Canucks in the standings uh Roger Shergill Josh Elliott Wolf with you um, you know, you mentioned there, Josh, about refereeing. It's been especially bad this season. I want to touch on that a little bit later on in this show. But you're right. It's definitely been, uh, you know, it hasn't been all that great. One thing that I want to discuss before we get to JT Miller, we'll hear from him this, this segment as well. Uh, you know, just last week and definitely before the month of March, this Canucks season was over. Right. I think a lot of people felt that way. And, you know, I definitely felt that way. And hey, listen, uh, maybe it still is. Maybe it still is over. But my question to, I guess, everybody listening is the sun starting to, to creep back up again now. The unfortunate truth to all of this is the Canucks are still four games back. Um, but as it was 
outlined earlier today by John Shorthouse and John Garrett when, uh, when the Canucks, when the Canucks broadcast began, this is going to become the the most important game of the season for the Canucks against Montreal, and tomorrow is going to be an even more important game considering the events that happened today after the fact that Montreal tied it and you got got them the loser point. It was a sentiment that JT Miller echoed as well in his post-game media availability. And we'll hear from JT Miller now as he talks about the victory, his beautiful goal in overtime, uh, but also how important tomorrow night's contest against the Habs is going to be. Uh, you know, it's not really a textbook. Um, I was on the ice for a really long time, but I wasn't really doing a whole lot. Uh, they were in the neutral zone, just swinging a lot and I still felt fresh. So it's one of those things where I, I knew I was going against a forward. And then when I got by the first guy, I, that's a heat of the moment move that doesn't happen very often. So, um, probably pretty lucky to get it by. And, uh, obviously it was a big goal for us. Um, but, um, obviously that's not going to happen too often. JT, giving up the the late goal like that, I'm sure was deflating in that moment. What was the feeling like before the OT? What was the feeling like at the bench when it was 2-2? Well, it wasn't like a deflating goal. I mean, they got a six on four with some of the best shooters in the league up top. Um, You know, if you're going to give up something, it's got to be, I guess, a wrist shot or something like that from the side. But they have a lot of good players on there. Um, But we weren't deflated by it, obviously. I think we knew we had a job to do. And, you know, a lot of these games are coming down to extra minutes. So, it uh, takes more than 60 sometimes, and we knew we had to have a good start. It's kind of a weird start to overtime. Like I said, they had the puck, and we're just swinging around a lot. So um, just got to kind of bear with it, uh, stay with it, and bear down when you get an opportunity. And uh, you guys played a very good road game tonight. Uh, a couple of the results that you've had recently weren't maybe your best games. But back in February, you were playing some really good games and not getting the results. So maybe things even out. But do you know why things swing that way is it a confidence issue is it just you know good luck bad luck how is the team finding so many ways to win these days well it's a really fine line between you know winning and losing and uh, I said this a month ago to you guys we're playing the right way and if we believe in our game and have faith in our our system and we play the right way most nights we're going to get the results and it just took a long time for those results to come I feel like it's hard to get in or easy to get impatient but I think we have done a good job of staying with it and putting a good game on in front of us more nights than not. And if we just keep playing this way, um, like, like you said, the wins are going to – sometimes they're not going to be pretty, but if you do it more than not and have a good standard for your team and play the right way, you know, eight or nine out of ten, you're going to get the results. So, You guys have talked about just the importance of this two-game series. Now you turn it around and try to go back-to-back here. Can you, you know, fast-forward to tomorrow and, and what needs to happen and what's generally a challenging situation back-to-back on the road? You know, we haven't looked at tomorrow yet, but it's a giant game for our team. Um, it means a lot to us. It's been a heck of a road trip. We've been playing good hockey. We really want to win tomorrow. You know, obviously we're going to enjoy the win tonight, but once tomorrow comes, you know, it's all business for us. And I think it's, it's obviously the biggest game that we've played yet this year. I think we know what's at stake. And, um, you know, I think we just need to have another good start because our start really set the tone for us tonight. Everybody was engaged and we did a lot of good things. That is JT Miller, Canucks forward. Scored a beautiful overtime winner as Vancouver comes away with the victory over the Montreal Canadiens, albeit they do give up that loser point to the Habs as well. Uh, I was talking about it right before we threw to that JT Miller interview. Josh, um, is, the, is the postseason starting to feel more like a possibility? Is is the sun starting to creep back up again in Vancouver? Or 
or is this kind of still a little bit of a mirage? I mean, I mean, if you look at the standings, it's hard to, to really justify the fact that they could get into the playoffs. But then again, if they continue to play the type of hockey they are playing now, it might be a possibility. I don't know if I can talk myself into it, but are you able to talk yourself into it? I'm getting closer. I, I still don't think I'm there. I don't think I'm in a position where if I had to put money down, obviously I'm not betting on the Canucks making the playoffs, but now I can entertain the thought a little bit more. And, and even a week ago on our show, I was essentially like, yeah, like, look, it's great if they win. I think they should still, I'm not, I'm never going to endorse tanking, but I don't think playoffs are really in the realm of possibility. And now it's still, it's still going to be really, really tough to get to the playoffs. And now they're in the conversation, I guess. And whether it just, I nationally, I don't know if they're in that conversation yet, but locally, and within the team, I think there's that belief where, hey, like, if you're an NHL player, you always think that you can make the playoffs and you always think you have a shot and all the cliches. But now they've seen what Thatcher Demko is doing and they've seen that they've won seven out of their last nine game games or eight of their last ten. And they say, hey, OK, maybe maybe we can go on this run and actually challenge for a playoff spot and actually show people what we thought the Canucks would be this season and it's starting to come together I don't think this run in particular is super sustainable I mean Thatcher Demko has been standing on his head he's a great goalie but I don't know if he can play at this pace for the rest of the season but that being said ride it out as long as you can just don't start Demko tomorrow and you'll be fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh, you know it's an interesting conversation right because Look, they, they started off the season so cold and it, it seemed like they had completely just thrown out whatever chances they had at the playoffs out the window and it wasn't going to happen. But now you're right, it's starting to kind of creep creep back into that picture. Could they get in? I'm not sure. I, I kind of agree with you. I tend to say that it's starting to to maybe have that conversation. But you're right, I wouldn't bet money on it. But I think the question that a lot of Canucks fans have, and it's one that I have as well, is is how much is this going to impact their thought process and their actions a month from now when the NHL's trade deadline happens, right? Tanner Pearson is out for four weeks. That puts them past the trade deadline. They've still got other unrestricted free agents as well, like Jordy Ben, Brandon Sutter. We know all about those kinds of guys. But... Does the actions of the Vancouver Canucks and the amount of wins and where they fall into the standings, does that impact the the trade deadline for you? I think the answer, Josh, for me at least, probably is yes. I think they are or they might still you know, make the moves based on where they are in the standings. Now, is that the right move? I don't know if I would agree with that. I, I do still think that despite where you are, in those standings, even if the playoffs do look like they're a go, that you kind of have to keep the bigger picture in mind and and still sell off some players to try and get assets. And, and notably, that guy is Tanner Pearson. For me, I'm okay with you know not getting that fifth or sixth round draft pick for Jordy Ben. I'm okay with, with letting Brandon Sutter ride it out here before his contract expires. But to me, the most value that you can get for a guy on your roster that you're willing to deal is Tanner Pearson. 
And for me, that's an aspect of this season that shouldn't really change despite where you are in the season. I agree. Yeah, I don't think the Canucks have put themselves in a conversation and I don't think they'll be able to by April 12th where they are legitimately a playoff team and a team that you could look at and say, okay, they're just a couple pieces away from being a Stanley Cup contender. And I don't think management is going to feel the same way. If they do, look, there's already a lot of people questioning Jim Benning and company right now. But if they do think that they put themselves in a position to add, then there's going to be a lot more questions being thrown at management. And I think rightfully so. But that being said, I think they're aware of where this team is at development-wise. And especially this season, It, I don't want to say it's a, it's a lost season because... I think they've salvaged a bit of it, but based on how you started the year, you're at a point where you've accepted that you're not going to make the playoffs and anything now, if you do end up making a playoff push and if you do sneak into a spot, that's just gravy and that's just something you didn't expect, but you you should still go throughout the season as if you were a team that got off to a bad start and wasn't able to make the playoffs because that is probably going to be the most likely outcome. We do get a text from IMAC at UBC, all four pointers Saturday. IMAC texting in. Yeah. yeah. Just finished the, the post game with Satin Walker and yeah. now he's got a text. Oh, he's a, he's a big fan of us. Yeah. Uh, Saturday's game, no more or less important than winning Monday, Wednesday in Winnipeg. The Habs could move four places up or down in the final 24 games, and the Nucks could be challenging the Leafs for fourth the way the Leafs are, saying one game is more important, doesn't scientifically wash. Okay, so a few things there. The Habs, just just mathematically, are the team that you're probably going to be in competition with the most down the stretch. So I do think that tomorrow's game is probably, at least to this point in the season, the most important. And though Toronto is bad, I don't think they're going to fall all the way down to fourth. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say so either. I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, Matt, like Toronto, could they fall out of first place? Sure. I don't think they're going to fall all the way to fourth. I think there's only a couple of teams that can really contend and put themselves in that category with Toronto. And, you know, in the beginning of the season, if you asked, if you had asked me, Calgary was probably going to be in that conversation for me. Uh, I think the way the Winnipeg Jets are playing, they're probably the team that I would look at to knock off Toronto, but uh, you know, still like keeping it on keeping it on the Canucks. Yeah, I do think you got to kind of have to look at Montreal and, uh, and and focus on tomorrow's game in the sense that it is the biggest game on the season. And you know, I don't think that's us saying this, Josh. I don't think it's the media coming out with these sort of storylines or narratives sur surrounding the Canucks and their biggest game of the season. JT Miller just said this as well. You just heard from his audio. He's saying that it's a gigantic game tomorrow against Montreal, and, and it is, right? Um, Roger Shogil, Josh Elliott-Wolf with you, by the way. Canucks Central at night continues. Um, going back, Josh, just to the, the Tanner Pearson and the trade deadline sort of conversation that we were having, uh, Jimmy Vesey makes his Canucks debut today. Uh, he was supposed to play last game. The visa issues didn't allow him to do that, but he gets it. In, he gets in today. Pretty nice outing. Made some good plays. I liked what he brings. More speed in that Canucks lineup as well. A little bit of a bigger body as well. Um, the thing is, 
does Jimmy VC give you that flexibility now, though, to move off of a player like Pearson Moore? I, I, I get it when you're a team that's going for the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, obviously if the Canucks are in and around the playoff threshold and the the what most people would do, what most teams would do is add. I don't believe that's the, the right thing for the Vancouver to do, and I don't believe that they're going to do that. But does Jimmy VC sort of become that type of addition where you look at him and say, okay, well, Jimmy VC now on the Canucks, when you have a healthy lineup, could very well you know, improve your bottom six. Or do you look at it in the sense that, all right, this gives us the opportunity now to move off of a player like Tanner Pearson and recuperate some assets, and recoup some assets, sorry, uh, because VC can pretty much just slide right in and play in that spot. Yeah, we talked about this a bit on Wednesday too, but it, it gives you the versatility if you're Canucks management to do to to have your cake and eat it too, I guess. You can right. it's a bit tougher with Tanner Pearson's injury now, whether or not you will be able to move him. But that being said, if you yeah. can move Tanner Pearson, you're a bit more willing to now because Jimmy VC comes in and though he's not a Tanner Pearson type player as far as talent, he can still put up goals and he can still be a very productive middle six forward and so it just gives you the option if you're Canucks management to go okay look we we know we're probably not going to make the playoffs so you trade Tanner Pearson but also you keep you you bring in VC because if you do end up going on a bit of a run you're going to need a guy that can play middle six minutes and has done yeah. it before look you the whole point of, of signing players like Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel was to have quality NHL players in the bottom six. Now, say what you want about their contracts. Obviously, they're not worth it, right? And and even even about their play this season in particular, Antoine Roussel has been disappointing. But prior to them signing with the Canucks, they were quality players for the role that they fulfilled. Um, they just don't happen to be worth the money that they are making, and that's kind of handcuffing the Canucks right now. But Jimmy VC is the kind of guy that's a quality NHL player making only $900,000 a year that has a very reasonable cap hit. And you can play on your team next season and negotiate a contract for next season that's also going to be a very cheap deal, right? I mean, the whole reason, the reasoning for Jim Benning and Canucks management wanting to bring back a player like Tanner Pearson is because they need more quality NHL players in their lineup. You don't want to be bringing up a player like, for example, Jonah Gadjevich, who might not be ready yet to fulfill a third or fourth line spot. Perhaps Coland offensively is ready, but is he there on the defensive end of the game? And, and we know how important that is to Travis Green when it comes to giving a player like that minutes. You, you need to really play well on both ends of the ice. Otherwise, it's going to turn into any other player that the Canucks fan base has wanted to, to plug and play in the lineup and Travis Green has been unwilling to do that, right? So we know how that story goes. So my point is you kind of need those you know, players that you know exactly what they can bring on a night-in and night-out basis, especially if you're the coach. So a player like Pearson, sorry, a player like VC gives you that ability to, to negotiate a very cheap contract. And, and in my opinion, it does allow you to move off of Pearson because we know that Pearson is going to be uh, coming in at a, at a much higher number than a player like Jimmy VC will. Yeah, exactly. And we, I know people hate this comparison, but Toronto, the Maple Leafs have done things the right way as far as 
creating a bottom six and creating like a middle six forward group where they have a bunch of these veteran guys that are locker room guys, but also still have a bit of skill. And they're also not making a bunch of money like Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, Jimmy VC was one of them. And now he's obviously with the Canucks and to your point, VC is the type of player that you want in your bottom six, a guy who makes $900,000 is not really like, look, when a guy's getting paid that much, you don't expect that much from him. And whatever you get is more than expected, I guess. So Jimmy VC, if he was getting paid $900,000 in a 82 game season, and you got 10 to 15 goals from him, you're happy. Whereas Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel, like you mentioned, when they're making $3 million, there's a different expectation from them. And I think VC and other players coming up in this offseason are going to be the type of targets that you want to you want the Canucks to look for if they want to make this team really competitive, especially with Pedersen and Hughes' contracts coming up. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you can still surround them with talent, but it has to be affordable talent like a Jimmy VC. Exactly, right? And 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 what what we're looking at for the Canucks when it comes to, you know, I think the whole reasoning why you want Tanner Pearson, why Jim Benning talked about wanting Tanner Pearson on this team next year is because it gives you a, a player that you know can that you already have the knowledge as to what he can do, right? He can probably put up 15 to 20 goals for you uh depending on where he's playing in the lineup and as we know, ideally he's a third-line player. Uh, but the thing is, if you're bringing him in at a $3 million hit, you don't really have enough players around Tanner Pearson in that bottom six in particular to say that, okay, this bottom six we know for sure is going to be able to provide a certain level of offense from us, right? Uh, from, from them, right? And, and maybe you could have said that if Tanner Pearson was a better play driver, but you can't even say that this year because of the fact that he's been playing you know, very heavy top six minutes alongside the captain of the Canucks, Bo Horvat, and he's done a a poor job of 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 providing offense this season. And it's unlike him from what we've seen from him since his since his arrival in Vancouver. He had a really good, I think, nineteen or twenty games when he came to the Canucks at the trade deadline a couple of years ago, and he had a very good last season. Uh, but he's been quiet this year. And so I don't think it makes sense to pay a player like that when you know that their play has already deteriorated a little bit. And now we're also dealing with a, a long-term injury as well. Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott, Wolf, it is Connect Central at night. One more segment coming up on the other end. Uh, a little bit of news being made today. Vancouver Connects placing Elise Pedersen, a long-term injured reserve. I wouldn't suspect anything. Uh, about that. He's already going to miss that nine-game threshold. I think the Canucks are going to get him in back in action probably not too long from now, uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if it's right after that bye week when they take on the Calgary Flames at the end of March. Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott-Wolf, Vancouver Canucks fresh off of a win, 3-2 over the Montreal Canadiens. In overtime, we'll talk about the win some more, who should play a net tomorrow, and has the refereeing been especially bad this season? I'll ask you that next. It's the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is Canucks Central at Night, giving you even more time to break down the game. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
it is 9.30, Vancouver Canucks, winners tonight over the Montreal Canadiens, 3-2 in overtime, JT Miller with an absolutely beautiful goal to win it for Vancouver after they allowed Montreal to tie it up in the final minute of play, Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott-Wolf with you, it is Canucks Central at night with you for one final segment lots and lots of texts coming in discussing who should be the starter for tomorrow night's contest against montreal second half of a back-to-back josh you've said that it should be Braden holtby i've said that it should be thatcher demko this is the second time that you and i are disagreeing on this the first time uh travis green agreed with you and they played Braden holtby uh wasn't a great game for the canucks but, uh, but you know, it wasn't this... a great game for the Canucks as a whole that game, though. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I think that a lot of people are going to look at it and say the saves that and, – and it's unfair to Brent Holpe, right? Because I, I do think that Holpe, Holpe statistically hasn't been great this year, but Thatcher Demko statistically has been unreal this year, right? And it's it's you don't apologize for great goaltending, but it's also – unrealistic to always rely on your netminder night in and night out. And right now it kind of feels like the Canucks are doing that. But my point is you kind of have to do that if you want to get into the playoffs, which is why I believe they've got to go with Thatcher Demko tomorrow. It, I, and we get texts in here. Here's one from uh, Ian and Dunbar. Hope he isn't like the orange garnish on the side of the plate. He is going to have to steal you a game or two down the stretch. Regardless, let's not forget Hopey's stare down to the bench was the turning point in the Canucks season. He's a B-plus in my books. One of these nights, if Demko gets blown out, you need a B-plus goalie to go buy the beer for the underage. To, well, I don't, I don't know if that's a that your, your metaphors. I like that reference. Yeah, your metaphors are getting a little lost on me, but I get what you're going for. Um, you do. <laughs> I, need, I don't think I've ever heard that one before. That no, yeah. Uh, you do need Hopey to go in and win some games. You're not going to, if you, if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you think you're a playoff team, you are not going to be able to play Thatcher Demko for the remaining 22 games. Like that's just not going to happen. And if you don't go to Hopi tomorrow, how much trust do you have in going, going to him in any other game for the rest of the season? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I, I would definitely agree with that. The fact that the trust factor in in Braden Holpe has, has kind of gone by the wayside, right? You kind of already realize that the that Thatcher Demko is the player that Travis Green and the coaching staff and the fan base trust more. Uh, here's another text in from the collector, dude. Tomorrow and Monday, it should be Demko before Braden Holpe takes over on Wednesday. That gives Demko a 10-day break. Pedersen will be back. Demko will be refreshed. Give Thatcher 8 of every 10 till the end of the year. That's a big workload. But And I disagree with the fact that it's got to be Demko tomorrow and then again on Monday because that's I do think Monday will have to be Braden Holpe um, if that's what we're going to do if that's what the Canucks are going to do on Saturday if they're going to play Demko on Saturday I do think the next start has to go to Braden Holpe the the thing is that you know you, you say that Demko gets a 10-day break you know that being said Demko's already had 10 games in a row 
or sorry, 11 games in a row if they do what you're suggesting, Collector Dude, right? So I get it. I mean, him and I are only one game off, and what's one game, I guess? But at the same time, you, I agree with you to an extent that, you know, all your points, Josh, in, in starting Brayden Holpe make sense. I don't think that I can really dispute any of them. I just think if, if you're really coming down to it and you need to win games for the Canucks, then you've got to find a way to, to get your top player right now in the night as much as possible because quite honestly the the players in the front just have not been consistent enough to to really do that for you for sure here's the thing for me i i do think tomorrow's game is incredibly important and i do think you you need to win it but that being said i think you also need to win monday and you also need to win wednesday and i and i get that Points-wise, you do need to beat Montreal because they're the team ahead of you in the standings. But that being said, Winnipeg could hit like could bottom out a little bit, and all of a sudden they're the team you need to catch in the standings. And and all of a sudden you look back at the two games against Winnipeg coming up next week, and you're like, oh man, those those are two very important games. And if you're the Canucks down the stretch later in the year. They might be two games that you wish you had back. And look, realistically, I think Montreal is the team that you're going to have to catch down the stretch anyway. But I do think there's each game is going to have an increased level of importance for the rest of the season, essentially, until either the Canucks do make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs. And you're going to need Thatcher Demko rested and healthy for as many of them as you can. And the bye week is coming at a pretty opportune time for the Canucks. They'll have teams catch up to them, and they'll be able to actually fully grasp where they are in the standings because the games played will kind of match up a little bit. But that being said, you you want Thatcher Demko to be able to spend time with Ian Clark in that seven-day stretch and actually improve so that when, he, when you need him down the stretch, he's rested, he's healthy, and he's ready to carry you because the Canucks need him to carry the team if they're going to make the playoffs. Jeff and Langley, guys, Demko needs a rest with the workload. Put Holpe in, or better yet, Hershey with the haunted house mask. Fly him out there. Yeah, he might be too busy doing his taxes. Oh, yeah. No, he... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Way too much stress. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't understand that reference, we had a a, a Zoom get together yesterday, and uh, in the middle of in the middle of our uh, team meeting, talking about the one year pandemic anniversary for everybody working from home here at Sportsnet six fifty, uh, Corey Hirsch is doing his taxes instead of engaging in conversation. But that's another story for another day. Um, Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott Wolf. Here's a co- topic of conversation that I, you know, have kind of noticed. Not only with the Canucks games, but obviously it's it happens a lot with the the team that I watch the most, the Vancouver Canucks, and and maybe I'm only feeling this way about the Canucks specifically because they also lead the league in in minor penalties taken, uh, and I believe in penalty minutes overall as well. Um, has this been an especially bad season, Josh, for refereeing? Like I, I don't know if the statistics back this up or not. But I have seen some bad refereeing almost daily. Like today, you mentioned it earlier, Tyler Myers getting a, a, a high stick and, and there being no call. Antoine Roussel's penalty 
that obviously wasn't really much of a trip. The non-overtime interference, right? If Josh Anderson scores that goal on the breakaway in overtime, is this the subject of refereeing the focal point of the show today? I think it's been so bad this season, right? And Tyler Myers, you know, he's taken a lot of penalties this year too. He gets a lot of criticism, but a lot of the penalties he's taken have have been pretty weak calls in my opinion. And and listen, earlier on this week there was a Brandon Tanev hit, which I thought was uh, as clean as it can get. And you know he's getting five in a game for that, which I thought was an embarrassing moment for the NHL by giving that a five in a game. Jujar Karai hits Oliver Shillington in the head, and there's no penalty on that. I just think the the refereeing has been so inconsistent this year. I don't know. Is it just me? Uh, I guess so. I haven't noticed. It's been inconsistent for sure, but I do think there's stretches where it's inconsistent in any regular season. I do wonder how much there being no fans impacts refing. And look, I, I've never been a referee. I've never been a professional hockey player, so I can't say what's going on down there. But maybe maybe there are things that refs notice a little bit more without fans there and things they might notice a little less without fans there too. And, you know, for all we, for all we say, uh, or crowds like to think that they impact games and that's not true all the time, but in some cases it is very, very true. And when it comes to penalty calls, sometimes they can sway it in one direction or the other. So maybe a 50, 50 call that a ref, isn't calling this season would have been called if there was right. 20,000 fans in the arena yelling at them to call that penalty or yeah. whatever it is. Well, you know what? Like I can, I, I can live with, with Tyler Myers getting high sticked and the referee not seeing it. I can, I can live with that, right? Because mistakes happen. You're not going to see everything. I can see Antoine Roussel's penalty being called because his stick is in the vicinity and the player falls and it's hard to make that call right in the spur of the moment. I get that, right? I'm not going to sit there and critique the referee on those kinds of penalties. But for me, the the non-interference call today in overtime, that's something that needs to be called. I don't understand how that wasn't a penalty. Uh, especially because last game, I believe Quinn Hughes, uh, I believe it was Quinn Hughes, he got a penalty for pretty much doing the exact same thing on, on the Ottawa Senators player. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the Brandon Tanev hit, especially after that one was reviewed. I just don't understand how you can review that and also call it a five minute major penalty. Uh, to me, it's just been, it's been more than normal. And, and listen, a lot of this also has to do with the, the fact that there's been new, new rules as well. And the, the slashing calls that we've seen have been kind of weak but at the same time that's the way the nhl wants to call those situations because it allows for a little bit more uh skill and speed in the game and so you kind of want to tighten up on those slashing penalties even if you get the person on the stick but it happens to be near the arms i don't necessarily agree with that all the way but it is the the new style of the nhl that we're seeing now and and it's kind of you know incorporated with the speed and skill model that a lot of teams are following I do think, like, I, I kind of prefer teams should be benefiting if they have speed and skill. And it shouldn't be, honestly, with some players in the league, whether it be Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or Quinn Hughes or whoever plays at a high tempo, I do think more penalties should be being called 
for them. Like they, they draw so many penalties that would have been called if they were any other player, but because it's Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or whoever, they don't get the benefit. Well, they do get the benefit of the doubt in a way, but refs let more things go because they realize that the other team has to do more to slow that player down. Well, that being said, like if it's a penalty, call a penalty. And, and I get that there's been inconsistencies this year, but I do think it's it's something that hasn't happened only this season. And I think it's just it's easy to forget about it as years go by. But refing and in it's not just hockey as well. Refing is always going to be something that every sports fan looks at their favorite sport and they're like, well, the refs suck. It needs to be overhauled and this needs to be changed or whatever. But I don't know. I think I yeah. I, I I get. It's a it's a super difficult job. I think tonight in particular, to your point, that that one Jonathan Drouin should have been called for interference on that play. Luckily, the Canucks go back and score regardless. But I I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily been worse this year than past years. Like we would be talking that that would be the main point of the show. I truly believe for sure. It. Yes. Right. Like and that's like to me, that's not OK. The fact that just because Vancouver ended up winning, it's not OK to me that we're saying, oh, OK, that's fine. Who cares? Like, you know, it's still terrible. But I, I get your point, like in every sport, especially the National Football League is where we look at refereeing and we say, man, they have they have not been good. They they need to like, how was that pass interference or how was that not pass interference? The NHL isn't at that level. I think the NHL is probably uh, I think the NHL does a pretty good job for the most part when it comes to to getting penalties and getting all of the types of, you know, a lot of people don't agree with the Department of Player Safety, but I do feel like a lot of the time they do a decent job of getting the call right. I just feel like as of late, they haven't done that. Uh, Roger Shurgill, Josh Elliott-Wolf, Vancouver Canucks victorious tonight against the Montreal Canadiens in uh, overtime. JT Miller with an absolute gem of a goal to, to score for Vancouver. We were uh, talking a little bit about uh, Jimmy Vesey and his impact on the Vancouver Canucks and, and in particular when it comes to the, the trade deadline. What's going to happen with Jimmy Vesey and is he going to be impactful enough for the Vancouver Canucks to then look at trade to, to look at Tanner Pearson and say, all right, he is now even more expendable than he was before because we essentially got a cheaper version of him to slot in that middle six. Uh, Brad from Nanaimo texting in, VC coming in puts more pressure on the Vertanen situation than Pearson. Miller's familiarity with VC from the Rangers is going to help that. Vertanen needs to stop throwing pillows at the guys and hit someone. Well, he did hit someone today. He hit him in the face. That was Tyler Defoli and he got a penalty for it. I think that's what he. I, I think that's what he meant by the pillows. It's yeah, like, I mean, yeah, and yeah. Look, I to the texter's point, I do think it's a. I I understand it puts pressure on Bertanen too, but I do think it puts pressure on everybody in the Canucks middle six that it's like, hey, this is a guy that has played in the NHL and he's he scored at a decently high rate. Your job isn't safe and. Both Pearson and Bertanen are included in that conversation. Yes, yeah, to a degree, right? I, I think that Vertanen's, Vertanen's, um, it's been pretty clear, like, the Canucks aren't willing to deal Vertanen just for the sake of a change of scenery, right? They don't want to just get a random fourth and third-round pick for Vertanen. They need to, the trade needs to be worth their while. 
And and that's why Danton Heinen was involved, right? Because you essentially get a player that's similar to, to Jake, but perhaps is a little better offensively and, uh, and, you know, on both ends of the ice. And maybe a guy that Travis Green might look at and say, okay, I can deploy him better in my lineup. Whereas a player like Tanner Pearson, you're, you're more trading him to get back those assets. I don't think the Canucks are willing to sort of get back assets on a player like Vertanen because then again, you know, those assets don't obviously mean immediate NHL help. And, and as much as this team does need some future help as well when it comes to getting young players and youth into the lineup, especially if they want to be a Stanley Cup caliber team the next couple of years, they also need some immediate help as well because you don't want to have guys that are not capable of playing in the NHL out there just getting burned on a night-in and night-out basis. I mean, that was kind of the point in, in bringing in Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle to begin with. You don't want to go back down that road again. Yeah, any year you have Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes playing the way they're playing, and I know this year hasn't been the greatest for either of them, but I do think they're still undeniably very elite players. But anytime you have those players on your team, and now you have Thatcher Demko in net, that's a year where you need to be adding as much as you can. And obviously, there's a limit. I'm not saying you should be trading prospects right now or or trading picks, but I do think when free agency rolls around, the Canucks need to be creative in finding ways of adding to the roster right now. And whether that be via trade or whether that is with free agency, you, you got to figure out a way to add more to the roster because, look, Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter, they're not doing the job right now. And I think Sutter's had a better year. And yeah, I'd be I'd – be, open to bringing Brandon Sutter back to the Canucks if Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel weren't already here, because I do think Sutter provides value, though obviously not worth his contract right now. But that being said, I do wonder if with the expansion draft coming up as well, that's also an opportunity for the Canucks to take advantage of a team that, hey, maybe it's the Colorado Avalanche, Carolina Hurricanes, or whoever that need to get rid of an extra forward or extra defenseman and still want to get assets back, but maybe aren't able to get full value for uh, for a trade as opposed to that player just being taken for free in the expansion draft. Roger Churgill, Josh Elliott-Wolf, it is Vancouver Canucks game day tomorrow as they get set for the second half of a back-to-back against the Montreal Canadiens, a team that they trail and they're chasing in the NHL standings. The Canucks are back to 500, Josh. 16 wins on the season, 16 losses. Do not look at the uh, overtime and shootout loss category. Just completely ignore that, okay? I don't, I don't like to account for that when we're talking about uh, being 500 or below 500 or whatever. I don't know. Do you? I I think, <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was thinking about this earlier because I'm like, yeah, it's 500. I say they need to win one more so that it like, because <laughs> the overtime thing is like it's two points, right? So right. you also lost two points. So if you if you're one win above what your regulation loss total is, then I think that's your five hundred. Hey, the Canucks are eight two and zero. Oh, uh, you know, so far in their last ten games, they've done they've had a, a, a pretty much a miraculous turnaround when it comes to the month of February, which was uh, dismal for them. A big part of that is Thatcher Demko. And the question that everybody is wondering, who is going to be in net tomorrow, Thatcher Demko or Braden Holpe? That's going to be uh, the biggest question heading into tomorrow night's game. Josh, you do think that Braden Holpe needs to get that start? 
Yeah, Braden Holpe, and, and we've talked about it throughout the show, he hasn't played in so long, man. And I know Thatcher Demko has made it pretty much given the Canucks coaching staff no choice but to play him. But now tomorrow, you need to show that you at least trust Braden Holpe a little bit because you are going to need him down the stretch to at least play a few games. I know Thatcher Demko is definitely going to get the lion's share of them, and he should because he has proved that he is the better goalie this season. But you brought Holpe in for a reason. Give him the start tomorrow. Show that you trust him and hope. You also got to show, or you also, yeah, you also got to show that you trust the team in front of him to play good no matter what goalie is in the net. Yeah, and, and that's that to me is is the biggest thing because the Canucks have not shown a consistency this year, and it's the biggest game of the season, right? JT Miller said it. Uh, I'm saying it now. We said it before the broadcast tonight that it was probably the biggest game of the season uh, up until tomorrow night's game, which is going to be the biggest game of the season. So I, I do think that the Canucks need to have their best effort tomorrow, and the biggest thing for me, Josh, you got to win in regulation. You can't be giving up these loser points. You've got to figure out a way to get two points completely and get out from, you know, try and make some ground against Montreal. And it does not make sense to, to really give them uh, one more point in this if you want to try and claw back in to this playoff race. So that's why I think when it comes to your best lineup, Thatcher Demko has to be in it because he's been playing so damn well. Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott. Well, that's it for us. Back at it tomorrow here on Sportsnet 650 is all-day Canucks coverage as we get set for Vancouver and Montreal. Game two of the second half of a back-to-back. That's it for us here on Sportsnet 650. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Roger Shergill. He's Josh Elliott-Wolf. You're on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.